Hello everybody. My name is my name is Dustin Pischel and today's guest is Peter. How do I pronounce your last name? Sorry, I forgot to ask. Melman. Oh, okay, good. Melman Peter's a, is a television writer, stand-up comedian, author, and producer. Peter was the co-executive producer of the best and most successful sitcom ever, Seinfeld. Peter is also the creator of the amazing sitcom, It's Like You Know. Peter is also a five-time Emmy nominee. Peter also produced the animated series, Father of the Pride. Peter has also, has also written seven books and writes many fabulous humor articles. Peter has written in articles for the New York Times, LA Times, The Atlantic, and many other popular magazines. Please welcome the amazing Peter Mel. Peter Mellon. I'm not uh, Peter Melhan. Peter Melman. Oh, sorry. I, I was trying to pronounce okay. that earlier and I just can't Everybody nail it. Everybody has trouble with that. Yeah, so um thank you so very much for coming on. And and so I start off every episode by asking the comedian, what's the worst tackler you have ever had? What's the what? Worst tackler you have ever had. You know, I haven't had that many hecklers. I started stand-up very late. I really only started it about four years ago, kind of on a tear. And um, it's funny, I always anticipated that there would be hecklers, but, you know, people don't heckle as much as they used to. You know, it's, uh, in fact, it's almost like at most of the comedy clubs now, they tell the audience ahead of time, at least in Los Angeles, yeah. that there's no heckling allowed. Yeah. It almost seems unfair because, you know, because, you know with all you've heard about mm-hmm. being a comedian all these years, it almost feels like heckling should be part of it. But, yeah. but um, I, uh, I'm kind of glad I haven't had to deal mm-hmm. with that. Yeah, so um, how did you get started in comedy? Um, stand up? Yeah. Well, actually, no, not stand up. Like, um, how did you get started in writing comedy? Oh, um, you know, kind of by accident. <laughs> um, I was a writer, like you said, for many, many magazines. And I used to write, you know, I used to write a lot of humor pieces, which is a lot different than, you know, writing comedy. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, uh, met Larry David in New York once or twice and then I moved to Los Angeles and um, I bumped into Larry David out here oh. and the important the important point there is bumped into because yeah. luck is, luck is everything in yeah. life <laughs> you know so I got lucky and bumped into Larry David and he knew I was a writer and we got mm-hmm. we had gotten along well with a few times we had met and he just said to me, you know, I'm doing this little TV show with Jerry Seinfeld. Maybe you could write a script for us. I think he didn't know that I had never really written scripts, that I had yeah. only written, you know, full sentences and articles. But um, I got a chance, and um, somehow uh, it was, I guess, almost beginner's luck. It gave the script. I pitched an idea. He, he said, he gave me, um, they had only done four episodes mm-hmm. at that point. So he gave me the tapes of the four episodes, and I watched them, and I loved the show, and I was like, oh, my God, this is 
paintings start out on because, you know, I'm from New York. Mm -hmm. I lived the kind of the same life that Jerry mm -hmm. in the show lived. So um, I got to write a script and it worked out well. And uh, they hired me. Yeah, did you, um, did you in, so, like, um, you originally, you were a sports writer, I know that, but I forget what magazine you wrote for. Well, I was a sports writer for the Washington Post. Oh. Um, and then I wrote, you know, I, I also worked at ABC Sports mm -hmm. for a, a very famous sportscaster named Howard Cosell, who was, who died long before you were born. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I did have a very strong sports background. Yeah, uh, that's um, that's cool. Um, so you um, so so for the Seinfeld, um, I actually just began watching it a little bit ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. So, what was it? So. So, what was your experience being in the co-executive producer? A Seinfeld with Larry David before he left? Um, you know, it was like, you know, at first the show's ratings were not very good and people really weren't watching, but, you know, we believed in it. And then suddenly it took off and it was like trying to hold on to a rocket. You Whoa. know? Yeah. It was, it was, it was just taking off and doing so great so fast that uh, you barely had time to think, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, but, you know, I wasn't really focused on ratings or the popularity of the show. I was just trying to get better at writing a script, you know, because yeah. it was kind of, it was kind of new to me. Yeah. Um um, uh, you did you write one of the episodes in the first season? Because I think I might have saw it. I wrote an episode in what would be the second season, which was oh. only 13 episodes. That was yeah. the episode that when I um, bumped into Larry David, I wrote, um, I wrote an episode called The Apartment, um, where um, Jerry tells Elaine that there's an open apartment in his building and then he realizes that he doesn't really want his ex-girlfriend, you know, in the same building as him. I know, because do, it would get awkward. Yeah, I do remember an episode about a second place they were trying to sell it and then they realized that it was, like, so good and it was, like, this large apartment with, um, and it had some um, outdoor space. Mm -hmm. I do remember that. I don't know if that was... I don't think I got to the second season yet, though. Yeah. Yeah. The second season's really good, and then the third season's really good, and the fourth season is the best. Yeah. Um. You actually... You wrote 22 episodes for Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a lot. It's like a full... That's a full season. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's, a, that's a full season. So it was like one of the... Yeah, it was one of those shows where... um one person writes a whole episode, another person writes a whole episode, just one person does each episode? Yes. That's oh. different than most that's different yeah. than most shows. You know, most shows it's written mm -hmm. by a whole group of people all at once. Yeah. But uh, I think one of the advantages, you know, that was good for me because, you know, having been a person who wrote for newspapers and magazines, I was used to working alone. 
Yeah. Well, I don't think I would have been good in a room full of people shouting out jokes and things like that. Yeah, um, the thing is, like, I wish there was more shows, like, um, we still have, um, yeah, we, um, there's still could be enthusiasm, but, like, since Seinfeld ended, there's not that many shows anymore about, like, um, Hollywood and, ju- well, not just Hollywood, but, like, show business. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, I guess they're mostly on, like, the streaming yeah. shows. You know, there's a, there's a French show called Call My Agent that's very funny. I think oh. it's on Netflix. Um, but you're right. As yeah. In America, there's very few shows that are um, like Seinfeld. Yeah. So that was cool, like, also Kirby Enthusiasm. It's cool, like, how you, like, see life for, it's sort of, like, Larry David was a writer for Seinfeld, and then you get to see what his life is like. Mm. Yeah. So, what was it? So, um, so I forget how did leave Larry David leave Seinfeld? Um, you know, Larry worked very, very, very hard for seven years on that show, and you know, he rewrote a lot. You know, most of the scripts, and you know, it was just. It's a lot, you know. I think, and I think he just was a tired and b ready to move on to do something else you know i guess you know creative people they want to you know not do the same thing over and over you know they want to try something new yeah i get that because it's sort of like you don't want to be writing for the same show for so many years like it's sort of like my mom's a teacher and i can imagine that life because like Every year you get a new batch of kids and you're just doing the same and same and same. And it's like you're spinning around in circles. Like, it's sort of like the rat race. Sometimes you just need to move on. Yeah. New project. Absolutely. It's always a good thing to move on. Yeah. So, like. You know, I, le- I left before the last season. You know, I, I only did one. I was only on the show one year after Larry left. Yeah, I think on some, like, last seasons of shows aren't that good um because like i heard that game of thrones wasn't was the last season of seinfeld good um to tell you the total honest truth <laughs> i didn't watch the last season oh. of seinfeld because i was you know i had left the show yeah and i didn't want to like you know watch every week and sit and start judging it you yeah. know because all those writers and all those people who worked on it were my friends mm-hmm. And I didn't want to be judgmental, so I didn't. I never really saw the episodes after I left. Yeah, that makes sense. Like I hear a lot of times that, like, um, somewhere, like, um, some a lot of people who like wrote movies, they don't want to see the finished project because, like, they see things that the audience doesn't really see. They're like, "Ugh, that's not good." Yeah, no, I believe me, that happens all the time. There are very few episodes of Seinfeld that. I wrote that even though they're really good episodes, mm-hmm. there's always usually like one moment where I like do a mini cringe. Yeah. Um, so where, do you li- where do you live, Dustin? Um, I live in Massachusetts, a small town called Ayo. Uh huh. Where, where I can hear the Boston accent. Oh, uh, where, where 
Yeah, one kid I remember in the elementary school bathroom, he kept harassing me. He's like, are, are, you, are you British? He just like kept asking me every time I saw him in the bathroom. He's like, you're British. And I was like, no. And he's like, yes, you are British. It was the weirdest thing ever. <laughs> so, um, yeah, um, do you live in L.A.? Yes. Okay, cool. Um, whereabouts? Uh, Santa Monica. Yeah, uh, I recognize the name. Is that by the beach? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Like Long Beach? No, um, it's, um, Long Beach is, is way south <laughs> of here. Um, I, I live, um, you know, there's, there's a whole bunch of towns in Los Angeles proper, mm-hmm. you know, that run along the beach, yeah. like Venice, Santa Monica, and... Malibu. Yeah, did you grow up in a did you grow up in a small town? No, I grew up in New York. Oh, what part? Uh Queens. Oh yeah. Um I hear that like Queens like doesn't have a lot to do which surprised me. Bill Grunfest said that. Is that true? Um I'm not sure. It's a little bit of a generalization. Yeah. So um so after Larry Depp, Larry David left. What was it like writing for for Seinfeld? Well, it was a lot more difficult. You know, it was a lot more of a group effort. You know, as far as you know, there wasn't exactly one person kind of totally over. You know, because Larry had been so much the voice of the show for so long. Um, but, you know, it was definitely a tough adjustment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so did you take over? At, well, actually, no, you don't take over. So were you just the main executive producer? Um, I was, I think, one of two executive producers. Yeah, because I just learned recently that there's two. I didn't know, like, that they could have multiple executive producers until now, until very recently. Well, you know... To tell you the truth, in, in TV sitcom writing, those titles are not very important, really. Oh. I, you know, it, it's not like your job is that much different. It's really more of a pay scale, to tell you the truth. Yeah. You know, you know once you're executive producer, you're gonna, if you go to another show, you're going to be, exec, you know, that's the least that they can hire you as. So, um, you know, it's really a title, but... You know, I just, I never really even considered myself executive producer. I just consider myself a writer. Oh, I think you should give yourself more credit. <laughs> so, um, uh, so what opportunities did being the executive producer of Seinfeld open up for you? Um, I got, oh, my dog is here. Um, oh. I got, um... Signed by DreamWorks, oh. uh, you know, Jeffrey Katzenberg and Steven Spielberg and yeah. David Geffen, um, to uh, create sitcoms and to, you know, help with other things that they were doing there. So I had, you know, a very nice uh, time at DreamWorks. You know, that's where I did It's Like You Know, and, uh, you know, I helped out on uh, a lot on... Um, Madagascar. Oh, cool. The first, the first one. You know, the character of the giraffe was named mm-hmm. after me. 
Oh, that's so cool. Um, I remember you actually, um, for Seinfeld, you created the, the thing, Yachty, 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 I forget. Yada, the, yada, yada, yeah. Yeah, Yachty, Yachty, Yada. How did you make that up? I didn't exactly make it up. I didn't really make it up. Um, it's a funny story because I wrote that episode in 1997. And in 1988, nine years before that, I had lunch in New York with a woman who worked at a magazine. And a couple of times she said, yada, yada, yada. And I, and I thought to myself, I never heard that. That's kind of funny. And then I never really thought of it again until nine years later it popped back in my head. And I was thinking, you know, if you say yada, 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 you could cover up all kinds of bad things. Mm -hmm. Instead Instead of saying things you don't want to say, you could just say yada, yada, yada. That's why the whole idea came about. Oh, that's so cool. So, like, you made that that famous? That's so cool. I guess. Yeah. So, like, because you hear people say that. I think, yeah, my dad says that all the time. Yada, yada, yada. (laughs) So, um, what motivated you to, speaking of it's like, you know, what motivated you to create the sitcom? Um, well, first of all, that's what I was hired to do by DreamWorks. Mm -hmm. But second of all, um... I, um, I don't know, I just kind of wanted to take all I'd learned at Seinfeld and put it in a different place. I think the main difference between, you know, Seinfeld and It's Like You Know is that in It's Like You Know, the city it took place in was like a character in the show. You know, that was like everything dealt with being in that, in this city. So, and I also like the idea of having Jennifer Grey, who is a real actor, playing herself. Uh-huh. You know, because because everybody, you know, wherever you live here, there's an actor living nearby. Yeah. So I thought it would be really funny to like blur the lines of reality. Mm-hmm. Like, so she's actually Jennifer Grey, and you know, she's got all these situations and her entire past is as it was and then she was on the show that's so. so cool um so um so about um it's like you know um isn't it like about a guy that moved to la and he wanted to write and like i think he wrote a blog or he was writing for he wrote a magazine about how he hated it so much but every day you yeah. spent it, he loved it more and more. Yep, that's exactly it. Okay, good. Um, yeah. And everybody thinks, and everybody thinks that's what happened to me. But I actually loved Los Angeles, like all. You know, I, I was out here. I was out here for the for the nineteen eighty four Olympics oh. for like a month, and I was just like, why does everybody make fun of this place? I think it's great. So you know, like when I moved to L.A., there wasn't. It wasn't like I was like. Oh God, I hate it here. I liked it like the second I stepped out of the airport. Yeah, what did you like more, New York or LA? Um, 
you know, I love them both, and I think in a way they're kind of like antidotes to each other. Like if you're sick, if you're sick of Los Angeles, it's great to go to New York for a while, and if you're sick of New York, it's really great to come to Los Angeles. You know, they're totally different cities. Um, I think, you know, when you're a little younger, like in your twenties and thirties, it's great to be in New York. Um, you know, you're hustling and the city's like nuts, you know, and when you, you get like a little bit older, you know, Los Angeles is a little bit more peaceful, you know, yeah. it doesn't feel like a daily struggle, you know, New York is good for anybody to live yeah. in, but you know, it's like a daily struggle, you know, everything's like, everything's hard, you know, living in New York is, is not easy, but, but it's great because of that. Yeah, so does it make you like, work harder living in uh, New York? Um, yeah, I guess. I, you know, my last few years in New York, I was just writing freelance mm-hmm. for magazines. Oh. So, you know, just to make a living, that took a lot of hustling, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, sorry, I just <laughs> laughed when I accidentally called you Melon earlier. Um, oh, no problem. Oh, okay. <laughs> To tell you the truth, so many people mispronounce my last name that when I talk to my mom on the mm-hmm. phone, I purposely say to her, "Hi, Mrs. Melham." <laughs> oh, um, yeah, people may. Yeah. Um. Once someone called me uh, or my yeah, someone called my brother since my last name is Pistol. He said Pisshole. So that was weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Um. So you. So what were some of the hardest scenes to shoot in? It's like you know. Um, you know, we did one episode where, um, you know, we did one episode that was all the main characters were in a restaurant talking, but there were flashbacks all the time to things that happened. And it was an episode that we did not shoot in front of the audience because it was too complicated to do oh. that. So, um, so I kind of like the director wanted to shoot it in the restaurant. He wanted to shoot it with like mm-hmm. at a big round table so the camera can go around and around. So, in other words, dialogue that normally probably would have taken you know two hours to shoot, it took almost all day. Wow. That's but, uh, crazy. Yeah. 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 But, you know, like, the, you know, the director, you know, had a creative idea for it and he asked me about it. And, you know, like, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to stymie anybody's creativity, you know? Yeah. Like, if they, if they have an idea and, you know, and they've done good work all this time, you know, you just want to say, okay, go for it. Yeah. So, um, so the scene did eventually get shot. Yep. Yeah. Um. So, I um. Wait. What was I? So um. That's like um. They're like. I actually um. So DreamWorks hired you to create the show. I thought you so. I thought you created the show and sold it to a network. Yeah, I did. It was on ABC. Oh, cool. So um, you you were a cast member and writer for SNL, and that's a goal of oh. mine. What? No, I wasn't. 
Oh, I read somewhere that you were. No, I don't know. It's sometimes there's bad information. I was never on set, so no. Oh, were you ever a writer for it? Nope. Oh. I read that, I read, I thought I read that like three times once. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, you know, there's all kinds of bad info, but maybe you were reading about David Mandel. <laughs> uh, so, um, uh, can you... There were a lot of writers on Seinfeld who wrote, there were several writers on Seinfeld who wrote for SNL. I didn't know David Mandel wrote for SNL. Oh, yeah, he was great. Yeah, I'm David, David Mandel's a great writer. Yeah, I actually want to get him on my podcast at one point. Yeah. So, He's a great guy. Yeah. So can you tell so can you tell me about your book Mandela Was Late? Uh, Mandela Was Late is a collection of articles that I've written. It's about, mm-hmm. I don't know, ten or fifteen different articles that I really like and somebody said asked me if I would like to publish it in you know, into a compilation of articles. Um the story that the title is named after Mandela is late is a kind of a humor story, a, you know, a very fictional humor story about Nelson Mandela's parole officer. Oh. You know, like as, as if he'd been in jail for 27 years and then he had a parole officer when he was, you know, in reality he became the president of the country. But I just thought it would be funny if he had, you know, a parole officer like any old thug. Uh, you know, out of jail. So, um, Nelson, what was the president's last name? Mandela. Man- Nelson Mandela was the president? No. I've never heard he of was- him. Oh, God, you should look him up. He's one of the most amazing people ever. He was, you know, a political person who was imprisoned for no Whoa. reason for 27 years. Whoa. He was in jail for 27 years, you know, when they were, um, when South Africa, in South Africa, where, you know, they discriminated horribly against black people in South Africa. Oh, that's so sad. So, yeah, and he finally got out after 27 years. He was like, I think, you know, just, yeah, he's an inspiring, it's very inspiring character. You should, you should read up on What country was he president of? South Africa. Oh, cool. Because I was wondering why I never heard of that president. Because mm. for a second I thought that he was president of the United States. And I was like, no, how I'm, come I never heard of I'm him? Sure, I'm sure in school in the next few years you'll probably learn about Mandela. Oh, cool. Yeah, I uh, recently just stopped learning in, history, in social studies history. Because mm. I'm never going to learn about it again, I think, until 11th grade. Really? Yeah. Because um, I'm going into 8th grade, and you stop at 7th, and you begin again at, like, 11th. Or it's 10th, either one. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's 11th. So, um, can you tell me about another one of your books, Hashtag Me As Well, a novel? Um... Me as well, you know, is kind of taps into my time as a sports writer, and it's kind of like what I imagine, part of it is kind of like what I imagine my life would be if I stayed as a sports writer, and it has to do with, you know, political correctness, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and cancellation, 
mm-hmm. you know, cancel culture. Yeah. You know, because, because the main character, who's a very, very respected sports writer, he's won a Pulitzer Prize. I mean, he's like a top-level yeah. sports writer in America. He makes one joke while he's with a bunch of other sports writers, mm-hmm. and somehow one of the guys um, puts the joke on Instagram, and it's kind of a, it's a it's a joke that would be offen- that might be offensive. It's kind of on the borderline, mm-hmm. but it might be offensive to women, Uh-oh. and it threatens it threatens to ruin his entire career. Oh yeah, cancel culture has just like gotten way out of hand. They're trying yeah, to cancel. Tell me, tell me about it. That's like all, they're that's trying. All my friends and I talk about. Like they they they're trying to cancel Bill Burr, like Kevin Hart, a bunch of guys, a bunch of people. It's sad. Yeah, Bill Burr. He's a, he's a real Boston guy. Yeah, like like the way he just like. He like treats all these cancel culture people like zombies, and he's just and he's just like driving a car through all of them. Yeah, and uh, I, I, you know, I'm totally with him on that. I, yeah. You know, and you know, sometimes I, I, I still write articles, you know, and essays, and um, you mm-hmm. know, some people say to me, "Do you do you really want to publish this? I mean, you know, you could get canceled." And mm-hmm. I always say, "Canceled from what? From walking my dog?" Yeah. <laughs> All I'm doing is staying home, walking my dog, shooting baskets uh, at the court, and, uh, and and staying home and writing. What are they going to cancel me for? Yeah. Um. Oh, that's why you have the Starbucks because you're a writer. That makes so yeah. much more sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah, the thing is, like, they're just trying, like, so many. Well, can you tell me what the joke was? Um, yeah. Good question, by the way. Um, there, there's a bunch of sports writers are sitting around and they're talking about a basketball player who's kind of known to be soft. You know what that means? Like, yeah. you know, he's, he, he's a guy who doesn't really mix it up underneath the basket. Um, what? You know, he, he, he's not physical. Oh, okay. You know, he's a soft, he's what they call a soft player. Oh, okay. So, um, this basketball player got injured, is missing a couple of games, and they say, what's wrong with him? And the, the, the hero of the story makes a joke that this basketball player is missing two games because he's having a hysterectomy. Okay. Which, I don't... Is, pure, which is purely a female operation. Oh, I, I don't know what that means, so I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no, you wouldn't know. But um, in other words, you know, he's very soft, and the, and the guy is basically saying he's like a girl. Oh, yeah. Like, it's... And, I mean, you know, it, the joke is kind of funny, and it could be offensive, but it's not that offensive. And, you know, I mean, you know, people make jokes. We all mm-hmm. make jokes to our friends and things like that that might be offensive to everybody else. But they're jokes. But, but they're jokes. Yeah. Yeah, and also, and, you know, this guy has built up over the years a reputation, you know, of, like, you know, really writing very well about female athletes. He's got a daughter himself, and, you know, who he's, you know, 
really a great father too. And so, you know, it's, it's just really about how one little thing can um, overturn your entire life, yeah. which is, you know, really scary now. Because the thing is, so, like... I mean, it's not, it's not like real, super bad, like mm-hmm. Bill Cosby. Yeah. You know, those people, they deserve what they get. But this yeah. is like, this one I was trying to, you know, walk the edge of, is mm-hmm. it offensive, is it not offensive? And even if it is or isn't, does he really deserve to have his whole life turned over? Yeah, the thing is, like, the like, people judge you just, like, nowadays based off of one mistake you make. But the thing mm-hmm. is, it's about who you really are as a person. One uh, right. thing you do doesn't make up entirely who you are. It's the repeated actions daily who make up who you are. Right. And, uh, you know, I don't know. The world is, uh... The world is lacking a sense of humor these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um... It's... You know, I mean, think about, all the, think about all the Seinfeld episodes that would be considered, like, too offensive to help. There are a lot of them. Seinfeld, like, wasn't even, like, one of those, like, offensive comedies. Like, it wasn't super offensive. It, it was only not offensive because it was really funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, something's really funny, people are willing to are often willing to overlook, you know, like their own sensitivities a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. it's almost like, you know, a show like Seinfeld is like a dish of food where the stuff that's funny is the spiciest, mm-hmm. so that's all you taste. Yeah. You know, and the stuff that's offensive is not as is not as tangy and it's under the surface and, you know, you have to have your radar looking out for it or you're not gonna, or it's not gonna bother you. Yeah, the thing is, like, um, someone, I like how, like, Dave Chappelle, yeah, he's taking on the cancel cult, like, he's still a fight in it, like, cause, like, I feel bad for, like, comedians like himself, like, who, um, cause, like, we make absurd jokes, because absurdity is funny, and it's also surprising. And surprising is the biggest laugh trigger. Laugh trigger. It's just scientific. And yep. people can't forget that. It's like comedies of pizza. And if, like, you take all the funny, and, like, a lot of that is, like, the toppings. Pepperoni. It's absurd. Um, uh, the, um, uh, cheese. It's, um, what, what would the cheese be? Um... Did I say absurd? No, the cheese yeah. is the surprise. So now you just have sauce and a um and bread left. Yeah, and the bre- and the bread is like kind of the important part of it. You know, it's like yeah. the story. Yeah. You know, that's like the real meat of it, and every and the other things make it absurd. Yeah, that's what makes it funny. So can yeah. you tell me about? Another one of your, oh, excuse me, another one of your, another one of your, excuse me again, another one of your books, It Won't Always Be This Great. Um, that one, um, you know, just like, just like, um, me as well, (laughs) I think my starting point for for writing books is always something that annoys me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's a, so, 
Um, my friend's mother lives on Long Island. And she was telling me that a lot of Orthodox Jewish people have moved into her neighborhood and they don't allow. And, you know, so if you open your store on Saturday, you know, the Jewish Sabbath, they will basically boycott your store. Actually? Yep. And, you know, and I'm Jewish, and I find that, like, really offensive. Yeah. You know, that, you know, these people are so orthodox and so pious that they can, you know, foist, you know, put their beliefs on everybody else. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, that just was kind of infuriating to me, and that's what inspired me to write it. It's about, it's about a guy kind of like me if I were married and living on Long Island, who, um, you know, one day he's walking home on a very cold night and um, he trips on a bottle and he get, and twists his ankle and he's a basketball player so he's like worried oh. that he'll, you know, that he's yeah. not going to be able to play basketball. His, his ankle sprains very badly and without really thinking he picks up the bottle that he stepped on and he throws it and it goes through the window of a store that's owned by an orthodox Jewish person. And for the first time in his life, instead of doing the right thing, which would be, you know, calling the police and saying, look what I did, I'm sorry, he just walks away. And it becomes like a scandal. Everybody thinks it's kind of like a hate crime. Yeah. But, um, so, um, that, that was the story. You know, like, the things that, the things that bug you about the world are always a good mm-hmm. source for coming up with stories. I yeah. mean, I think if you watch Curb Your Enthusiasm, mm-hmm. almost every episode is just basically the things that annoy Larry. Have you ever worked on Curb Your Enthusiasm? I have given Larry a couple of stories. I've never worked on it, but, you know, once in a while I'll, like, email him and say, hey, I thought of something funny that might be good for the show. It's so... So you know Larry David? Of course. I worked with him for six years. I, I know, but he's just so like, whoa! Because, like, Larry David, like, he's one of those people that you don't even consider a human because he's so famous. <laughs> You're like, so he actually so he actually lives somewhere, and he actually exists. It's like one of those things. Yeah, he lives, um, he lives fairly close to me, and I see him in my dog park. Oh, cool. You know, I take my dog up to this park, and it's not really a dog park. It's actually illegal to have your dog off the leash. But, um, yeah, I just saw him the other day. Oh, that's so cool. So, um, how... So, that's so cool. So, um... Sorry, I just can't stop thinking about that. So, um, yeah. I gotta uh, tell you, I, I gotta tell you, though. You know, sometimes I'm in the park talking to Larry and, you know, I'll say something and I'll get a big laugh from Larry and it still gives me kind of a thrill. Yeah. You know, because I'm kind of used to him being my boss. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, like, when he likes, you know, the funny thing is, like, the other day I just, my dog pooped and I picked it up in a bag and I was walking into the garbage pail and I passed Larry and I said, Hey, Larry, bag of shit, would you like (laughs) Yeah. And uh, and he just cracked up and it was like, you know. <laughs> that's 
that reminds me once my mom was walking with my aunt and my aunt just goes up to a van and um my, my aunt has a dog um she has two dogs and i don't like them because they're always humping each other they're like those types of dogs and uh, these yeah. two pugs and uh, i don't know why i mentioned that but the t- pug just took a shit so then she had to pick it up and then she just threw in a random person's trash can yeah. <laughs> and my mom's like you can't do that and she's like oh really? it's fine yeah <laughs> we do that all the time <laughs> oh Yes. I do that all the time. Everybody, everybody does that here. Yeah, what type of dog do you have? Um, he's a, um, like a cattle dog, an Australian cattle dog. Oh, cool. Um, I have a Britney Spaniel. Oh, wow, cool, yeah. yeah. So, um, so you, um, have been doing stand-up for a little bit now, so what's the worst gig you have ever had? Um, you know, I gotta say, during the pandemic, that somebody set up in their backyard, like chairs and everything like that, spaced out and everything, so you could, and had a little stand-up show in their backyard, but they were like, okay, they were maybe 20 people 25 people there and i thought you know it would be good to just you know do my act i don't even care how it goes but the funny thing is they were like out of the 20 people there maybe eight of them were also comedians that were you know going to be doing them so while i'm up there they're writing on their own stuff you know they're not even listening you know that's like that's like when you say to yourself what am i even doing why did i come here yeah. once i actually had a heckler that was a comedian and then another like like and like the thing was like this wasn't like a light heckle they were just like insulting me and then another time i um accidentally um i had um someone was heckling me and uh, like i i'm fairly new to this so and i know like you can't let someone run all over me and i was like whoever is making the noise please be quiet and it's through zoom because um this is like when covid was like more of a big thing because now is almost going away so um someone was heckling me and i was like and i was like okay could you please be quiet please shut up and then i realized like i given them a few chances already and then since they accidentally had their mic on i realized that was a comedian who did it mm, and, oh, I, and i was just like "Ooh, that stings so yeah yeah well that's not that's not cool yeah. Well, they didn't know that it was on, though. Yeah. Still. Yeah. You know, they should be keeping their opinions to themselves. So, um, thank you so much. Oh, yeah, and before we go, also, a lot of my humor is also, like, fed up. Because, like, I'm sort of, like, a young, grumpy old man. My, like, my, my <laughs> voice. Well, my point of view. So, thank you so very much for coming on. It was an honor and surreal having you on. And... Yeah. It was a total pleasure, Dustin, yeah. and I uh, I wish you all the best. Thank I think you. Uh, I think I think that's going to be great things for you. Thank you so much and goodbye and have a fantastic day. Okay, you too. Have a great weekend. Take care. YouTube.